Thailand. It may top your list of places to visit once it's safe to travel again, but it might not make anyone's list of the most aggressive tax jurisdictions when it comes to transfer pricing. That said, as Cross Borders' own Hosker Hugenberg explains on today's show, no matter how lax the rules look on the surface, just handing in any old documentation in Thailand is fraught with risk. It even exemplifies how smaller emerging economies necessitate leveraging increasingly advanced knowledge and technology in the transfer pricing process. Hello, everyone. I'm Matthew DeMello, host of The Fiona Show, Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And in speaking of leveraging knowledge, you can earn CPE credits for listening to this podcast. Here's how it works. We're planting three CPE code words throughout the course of today's show. Send all three to all one word, The Fiona Show at xbs.ai again. That's the Fiona show at xbs.ai and will respond with your certificate. Now let's take a look at transfer pricing in the news. over napoleon there's a new crusader in town french finance minister bruno le maire is fighting for a new tax regime for online companies speaking at the world tax summit earlier this month he shared his very vocal opposition to the looming tax wars which he claims are due to digital companies' tax avoidance in competing global tax rates. He also emphasized that France will start collecting its digital services tax next year. That's 2021, in case you forgot regardless of the OECD's failed agreements on new rules for the digitized economy. And as you can imagine, the pandemic didn't exactly speed up the proceedings. The OECD did, however, recently release technical drafts of Pillar 1 and 2, which will be open to public commentary until December 14th. I think it's safe to say that Le Maire isn't going to be saying wee 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 all the way home. Don't judge a book by its cover, or in this case, a company's transfer pricing by a pandemic. Turns out, most transfer pricing structures and value chains have stayed intact through the COVID madness. If only my hair would do the same. While it's good and surprising news, there is still a lot of change on the horizon. Many companies are relocating their operations to different jurisdictions and are leaning on technology to paint a fully compliant picture. Ahem, ahem. I don't know if you've heard of an AI technical genius named Fiona. Ahem. Sorry, sorry, frog in the throat. And with much of the world working remotely, taxpayers are facing a whole new set of problems. Say, could your home office, okay, kitchen table, constitute a permanent establishment? And here's a story that's got some soul. Danish footwear company Echo has received a thumbs up from the High Court of Western Denmark for its transfer pricing documentation and methodology from 2005. This decision overturns a 2015 ruling by the National Tax Tribunal that sided with the Danish tax authority. Over what, you ask? The company's purchases from international manufacturing subsidiaries in the transfer pricing documentation that illustrated them. Here's a refresher. Echo used the CUP method, C-U-P for those streaming on low frequency, to show its compliance with the arm's length principle in 2005. Upon review in 2011, the Danish tax authority felt the transactional net margin method was more appropriate. After a few years of legal ping pong, the verdict stands that while Echo's transfer pricing documentation was not perfect, it still illustrated that the related party purchases were conducted at arm's length. Don't judge a company's transfer pricing until you've walked a mile in their shoes.
Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University Weekly. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai slash tpu. We want to welcome back Oscar Hugenberg to the Fiona show to talk about Thailand today. But first, Oscar, it's been a couple of weeks since we've actually had you on the show. Tell us a little bit. Uh, I, I know in Europe there are a lot of countries experiencing spikes in COVID cases. Tell us a little bit about where you are in the Netherlands and what's happening there in terms of COVID. Yeah, you know, it's, it's we do have you know, the second wave, as they, they call it, already for uh, you know, a couple of weeks now. The first yeah. uh, measures were taken again, were taken two, three weeks ago. And actually, um, numbers are slightly going down. The last three days, they've um, you know, gone down. But there is a press conference tomorrow by the Prime Minister, and it is expected they will announce new measures additional measures to uh, be already uh, measures being in place. So already restaurants and bars are already closed over here for about three weeks. And now they are expecting they will close uh, things like the uh, amusement park and further limit mm. the number of people that you are able to. Now, if I remember correctly from the first episode I asked this for you, I think it was a number of years ago back in March. I think you described the exact rules in place as an intellectual lockdown. So they were like a set of recommendations, but they didn't carry necessarily penalties as far as the laws went. Do I have that right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of a mixture. It's, it's on the one hand, it's not like in countries like France, for example, where, you know, there is, you have to stay inside from, what is it? 11 yeah. p.m. Yeah. until 6 a.m. But if you do not follow certain rules, then you do get penalized. So um, there is right now, which, which gets, gets a lot of attention, a lot of, especially youngsters, they start to organize these illegal parties. And yeah. if you get caught on that, then you do get penalized. So it's a bit of a mixture. But indeed, you know, in the Netherlands, they, they in March, back in March, they, you know, refer to it as an intellectual you know, lockdown. Indeed. And I know here we are almost at the end of 2020, despite COVID-19. What trends have you observed this year in transfer pricing? Um, well, it, it's very interesting. It's, it's, you know, obviously when you know, COVID hit the world and there was a lot of, you know, need by governments to support business uh, you know, in their country, and obviously also from the tax authorities' perspective, there were measures put in place to you know, help businesses to, to well, basically survive, allowing late payments or deducting costs earlier, et cetera, et cetera. But what you do see happening now, 
I think, you know, over the globe is, is tax authorities actually picking up where they left it when it comes to transfer pricing, which is really it's going like, hey, wait a minute, but we still want to target all those companies that, in our view, so in the view of the authorities, are shifting profits and are using transfer pricing as a tool in doing that, shifting profits to low-tax jurisdictions, that is. So you do see, which, which I found very interesting, that it happened already so quickly after March, already to set that, you know, authorities are going like, hey, but yeah, we, we will continue doing that, continue to critically look at companies that, you know, we think are using or misusing transfer pricing to shift profits to low-tax jurisdictions and continue our focus on that. So the, the need for companies to have transfer pricing documentation that meets all the rules and regulations in the countries in which they operate, you know, continues to be uh, very important. Uh, and I think that trend will, uh, we will see for the years to come. Indeed. Any predictions or concerns for 2021? The one thing I already mentioned, so I think there will be a, a, a continuous focus by tax authorities on looking at transfer pricing and, and being critical on companies that you know the authorities consider are uh, shifting profits or using transfer pricing to reduce their overall mm-hmm. tax rate in a in a way and format that the authorities don't like. So I think you know we will see a, a even a further increase in scrutiny. I mean, on top of that focus, there is obviously governments have spent a lot of money over the last seven Mm. months, six months. That needs to come from somewhere. And, you know, governments, their principal source of income is taxes. So in the years to come, which I don't think will be a 2021 topic only, I think it will be for the years to come, there will be an increased focus on tax audits, and unfortunately, you know, <laughs> transfer pricing will be one of the principal areas of focus uh, by the authorities. How likely is a transfer pricing audit in Thailand? Yeah, you know, I mean, Thailand is, in many ways, like, you know, a lot of other countries nowadays, is, yes, there is always, there is a, a, a chance of being audited by the authorities. I mean, it's a, a tax audit is a regular part of, the review process by authorities. And, you know, Thailand is one of those countries where within such an overall tax audit, there is a, a likely focus on transfer pricing. So I would say there, yeah, it's it's a high risk of uh, a tax audit in Thailand, you know, focusing in on uh, transfer pricing. Indeed. And how likely is it that transfer pricing methodology will be challenged in an audit? Yeah, it, it, uh, I mean, again, that's that's pretty high as well. You know, the, the, the Thai tax authorities, they, they, they focus on the use of the appropriate Thai comparables, and we will you know, get to talk about that a bit later. And also in the application of the, you know, the actual methodology that's being applied. Uh, so they are being very critical on that, want to understand, to be convinced about that the right method is being used, you know, the the most appropriate method, as we call it, and that it gives a reliable outcome that uh, is acceptable to the Thai authorities. Indeed. And is Thailand a member of the OECD? Thailand is not a member of the OECD, but it, it does 
and follow the OECD guidelines. Um, you know, it, 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 it accepts the methods that are being referenced in the OECD transfer pricing guidelines, and it, you know, the overall arm's length principle is being adopted uh, in Thailand as well. So it does follow these these guidelines, uh, um, you know, loosely. Um, but it's it's certainly not binding with the Thai Revenue Department, uh, like it is actually in, in many countries. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 in the word. Obviously, it's you know the transfer pricing mm-hmm. guidelines. So these guidelines do not have legislative authority in Thailand, and and you know like in many countries. Um, but you have to look very critically at the, uh, for the local rules and regulations in the legislation to you know be able to understand what is required from a documentation point of view in Thailand. And interrupting very quickly for our first CPE code word, and that code word is SIAM, S-I-A-M, the original name of Thailand before formally changing in the early 20th century to reflect the Thai nationalist movement of the 1930s. And back to our conversation, just to put a finer point on what's meant by non-binding with the Thai Revenue Department. That means they can implement the rules that they want, but the default is that they loosely follow the OECD guidelines. It's a reference. Yeah. And with having non-legislative authority means both the authorities and the taxpayer cannot rely on them. So they cannot say, basis of article da-da-da of the guidelines, we reassess you as follows. That they cannot do because it doesn't have that legislative authority. Nor can you as a taxpayer say, I appeal against this decision because it's not in accordance with section ABC of the TP guidelines, you need to reference the local legislation because that's your, you know, your reference for, from any authorities, but also the taxpayers to appeal against if you don't agree with it, that's from a taxpayer perspective. And what about BEPS Action 13? Has the Thai Revenue Agency adopted it? Um, well, they haven't officially adopted the uh, the whole action plan 13. So the, the concept of the local file versus and, and also master file and the, you know the specific requirements that are being set out. You know, action plan 13 coming out of BEPS. Um, they haven't adopted that, but you know they do require documentation, and you know that's the, the Thai legislation requires documentation to support the transfer pricing I mean, you should provide details on the functions and the risks undertaken by each of the related parties to the transaction you need to provide insight in how you as a company have chosen your transfer pricing methodology and that it you know it is the most appropriate and gives you the most reliable result and that the other methods are not providing you with that so you have chosen a specific method uh, for testing the economic analysis that you conduct to arrive at the arm's length outcome so in essence a lot of the components of a local file you know also you need to uh, comply with uh, uh, from a thai local perspective but it's not that they have officially adopted that uh, um, you know, principle from a local file and master file. But bottom line, you can bypass the master and local file. 
Well, not really. I mean, it's, so it's not required right now, uh, but the Thai tax authorities, you know, can request additional transfer pricing documentation, you know, typically within five years after the company, you know, files its TP disclosure form to go with the uh, tax return. And, you know, I would recommend, you know, companies and most international operating companies obviously do have a master file because they have an obligation to also to have that ready and available in other countries in which they operate. So they can also provide it as additional support uh, to the Thai tax authorities. And obviously the local file, if you still want to call it like that, but maybe not in the context of Action Plan 13, but you do, well, you do need to have support available that you know supports your arm's length nature of the transactions with your Thai entity. Um, you know, you must submit that within 60 days. And if you haven't been preparing that, um, you know, it's challenging to, to get that done within 60 days, obviously. So, you know, I think it, it, it's a good practice for any company to, to as part of their overall compliance program, to also for, for Thailand, if they have operations in Thailand, to actually prepare a, uh, a, a local file it ensures that, uh, and also shows and demonstrates to the Thai authorities that you do document that your Thai operations are compliant with the local rules. And they do also, you know, provide penalty protection. And um, so really, basically, you know, you you can split it maybe into, in, into mm. two files. You know, the master file um, can be prepared, you know, uh, um, on the basis of the OECD Action Plan 13, and most companies have that available anyway. And then the local file, in many ways, same info as an Action Plan 13 the local file, but you have to look at the specific rules um, and regulations in Thailand. And interrupting once again very quickly for our second CPE code word, and that code word is red, as in the red shirt protest in Thailand back in 2010, representing the movement for the United Front for Democracy Against Dictatorship, backing the party of then former Prime Minister Thaskin Shinawatra. Again, that code word is red. And you learned something today. Going back to our conversation, contemporaneous documentation isn't a regulation. Of course, we tend to tell all of our clients file contemporaneously anywhere. That wouldn't raise any eyebrows, of course, in Thailand, correct? No, correct. Uh, I mean, but, you know, you have to have an, an, an annual you know, report, financial report that mm-hmm. is, that, that's certainly expected. And, um, and we'll get to that a bit later. I mean, also to have that audited not by tax authorities, but by a statutory auditor. Um, you know, you have to have, have ready to be submitted within 60 days, as I mentioned before. Um, you no, know, and also, you know, you need to do new benchmarking every three years, you know, not maybe necessarily doing it every year, although we would certainly recommend doing that, especially, you know, in challenging times like we're in now where things are changing um, for you know, the majority of, of companies. So uh, the COVID situation makes comparing with results of 2018 and 19 very challenging. So we would um, do that certainly. And you know, the threshold is maybe also interesting uh, to mention is the, it's uh, roughly around 6.4 million US dollar on total revenue, you know, uh, as disclosed in the audited financial 
statements for the fiscal year at your threshold where you need to start uh, having documentation uh, available on the basis of the Thai uh, rules and regulations. On January 1st, 2019, Thailand's transfer pricing law added three new provisions to the Thai tax code to stipulate the annual compliance requirement. What are these three new provisions? Well, it, it basically means that the, the Thai tax authorities are allowed to adjust the income and expenses of a of a taxpayer. So either adjust the income and you know also look at the expenses, whether they're deductible or not. Uh, you know, especially in cases where you know the transaction is between related parties. So they are you know very critical on transfer pricing, as we mentioned before. And uh, you know that also well, actually the commercial terms are actually different from independent transactions. Again, that relates back to the arm's length principle. You know the transactions need to be arm's length, so also need to be like two independent parties would agree the terms. So not only look at the the actual pricing, but also at the commercial terms, financial terms. I would say also the legal terms to test that the transaction between related parties is at arm's length. And, and furthermore, and then that's, that's also a very you know, important one, it allows the authorities to adjust income if they believe there is a reason that the company is involved in a profit-shifting transaction. Really, basically, if the Thai authorities feel or believe that there is no commercial rationale for the transaction or for the pricing of the transaction, then it uh, allows them to make an adjustment. And for CBC reports, we're seeing the proposed threshold is 28 million Thai baht. That's uh, $895,000 roughly US. And, you know, even where we're looking at the threshold for the disclosure and documentation, that's 200 million Thai bot. That's roughly six million American dollars total revenue as disclosed in the audited financial statements in the relevant fiscal year. Now, that doesn't seem to be casting a wide net. This this doesn't seem to be indicative of a country that's that's chasing after any and all M&E income. Uh, correct. I mean, you know, as a rule of thumb, most countries have adopted as a threshold 750 million. So that's that's indeed a, a bit more generous over here. Indeed. And what of the local language requirements? Certainly, the Thai language can be requested, and so it's a bit depending on uh, the actual, you know, department or you know, tax offices that are involved whether or not they are willing to accept an English file or English documentation. And they can certainly request uh, the taxpayer to provide uh, information to be made available in, in Thai language. So, you know, companies need to be aware that they can be requested to uh, provide information in, in Thai. And Thailand has a transfer pricing disclosure form. What kinds of information are requested on that document? Yeah, you know, it's information on each related, uh, um, you know, transaction, whether it's in Thailand or uh, offshore, and, you know, whether the taxpayer has transacted with that related party. So, and if there is a related party transaction, you know, then the details need to include 
you know, the usual suspects like you know, operating income, other income, purchase of raw materials and goods, purchase of land, building equipment, other expenses, things like royalties, management fees, technical fees, interest, obviously, and the amounts of inbound, outbound loans at the end of uh, the accounting period. So it's really a, a summary of especially the, the, the type of transactions and you know, the amounts involved and with the related parties showing the countries uh, in which they are resident. And then you, know, you, need to, you need to put that in the disclosure form. Uh, so you need to put the value in there as well. And then uh, it applies for all uh, taxable years that started after January 1, 2019. And uh, again, there is, a, there is a threshold, which is this, uh, you know, 200 million uh, um, equal to roughly around $6.6 million of income in uh, fiscal 2019. Um, and so, and that's not taxable income, huh? that's just revenue that we're right. talking about. Um, so that's uh, obviously to be uh, considered. And then the form needs to be submitted with the tax return for all tax years that begin you know, after January 1. A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai/rd. That's xbs.ai/rd. And has Thailand incorporated the CBCR into its documentation requirements? Well, it's looking to it after January 1, 2020. So, uh, um, so far, it has not you know, confirmed that it is. And which transfer pricing methods does the TRD usually accept? Um, well, uh, you know, I think that the Thai authorities are, like many other taxing authorities, they, they do have a preference often for, for CUP, so you know, controllable, mm-hmm. comparable uncontrolled pricing. And because, like many other tax authorities, they believe that's you know the, really providing the most uh, reliable outcome. If a company can find, especially internal cups, so if you have a transaction with a uh, related party and you have that same type of transaction also with an unrelated party, and they are comparable, then there is a strong preference using that. But you know. Um, also, TNMM is, is really accepted and is you know, often used by taxpayers and uh, is accepted uh, by the Thai authorities as well. So, you know, but they also accept all the other, you know, uh, OECD type of methods that are being referenced in the guidelines, like resale price, cost plus, profit split. I mean, each and every of those methods have their challenges, obviously, whether it's in 
you know, getting reliable data or, you know, being somewhat more subjective in nature, you know, profit splits. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, they do accept it. Uh, but I would say, you know, obviously you need to be, uh, you need to very well document that um, to, uh, to have it accepted. You uh, use the word reliable to kind of summarize the focus of the the TRD, at least in in this hierarchy. I'm I'm curious, does that kind of clue in any way taxpayers, maybe how they should strategize about telling their stories in that you can make a case based on that, you know, your methodology is reliable or that's what you've got to speak to in order to make the case for how your transfer pricing is actually reflective of your business, which may rely on a method that's not known for its reliability. Do you get what I mean by that? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's, I mean, obviously, tax authorities want you to analyze and document, you know, mm. the decision you as a company have made on which method to use. And obviously, it depends on, you know, the underlying transaction a certain type of transaction is very challenging if not impossible to use resale price or a profit split or cost plus but you need to document that and you need Mm -hmm. to really go through various methods that are available and outline you know why specific to that transaction um, you know it is or it is not the most appropriate and why the company has chosen a certain method and we also document why that method, particular to the facts and circumstances of that client to that transaction, gives the most reliable results. It, it, it also, it, it's uh, you. You just don't see that combination necessarily come to the top uh, of the hierarchy every day. The cup and the TNMM, but I, I guess that would reflect. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a bit of a you know the traditional approach, maybe meeting the more more acceptable approach now because I mean as said that you know tax authorities traditionally like cup because it gives them reliable third-party data because you are ultimately referencing against and testing against third-party prices and mm. which obviously you know meet the arm's length principle in that sense uh, obviously you have you know challenge on is it really comparable or not you know same markets, uh, same product, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then with TMM, I mean, why is TMM so regularly used by companies? Because it's 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 the one method that you know you look at the net profit margin. So you do have data available. At least you have more reliable data available mm. um, that you can use to test the overall net profit uh, um, of companies. Whereas that's always the challenge with transactional methods like you know, resale price, cost plus, uh, that you have the challenge of reliable you know, information that is simply often not available. Um, right, right. That's, that's why probably the you know, combination CUP, TNMM, I mean, obviously CUP is also a transaction-based method, but yep. with especially internal CUPs, so if you do also have the same transactions with third parties, you do have data available. Whereas mm-hmm. with the other type of methods, transactional methods, that's that's often the biggest challenge. And that also speaks to Thailand as a historically viable manufacturing base. Also that uh, there's probably 
at least from the TNMM side in the last 20 years, an influx of IP, technology, intangible, just products overall, and needing that to be the basis of comparables, you, you kind of need the TNMM as, it's, as it gets, generally speaking. Yeah. And then, you know, specific to that manufacturing point, I mean, obviously Thailand, you know, a lot of companies use or have manufacturing operations in Thailand, like in, you know, also other countries in uh, Asia Pacific. And, you know, if they operate, let's say, at on, on like contract manufacturing or even a toll manufacturing uh, kind of a model, then you, you might be able to find, you know, especially cost plus type of, of information to apply the cost plus method. But again, applying cost plus as a method means you're looking at the, the gross margin. That's just the essence of that method, um, which still makes it very, very challenging. So what you do see more is companies applying TNMM as a method and then using cost plus as a profit level indicator to test the arm's length you know, margin on your manufacturing, etc. Keeping in mind what we were just discussing historically with Thai as a manufacturing base, how does that work into their rules about comparables or lack thereof because there, there are no written regulations about local comparables? Indeed, there, there is no written guidance in the regulations on, on comparables, but Thai is, you know, like many countries around the globe right now, is that in practice they they do have a very strong preference and request tie comparables, um, you know, in order to, to test the arm's length nature of transactions with tie companies within, you know, your group. Um, they, um, you know, require, you know, fresh benchmark every three years, uh, typically, and then updating the financial data, obviously, in the years in between. Although we would always recommend to try and do that annually just to ensure that your benchmark continuously is of the highest quality. There are some other interesting, you know, criteria, obviously, you know, which is not that unique is that in Thailand, they you know, require that comparable companies should not be owned with 50%, uh, have a you know, one shareholder owning more than 50% indirectly or directly. That's to avoid that. You know, if, if a company is part of a group, then obviously the, the results of that company might be, you know, influenced by, will be influenced by intercompany transactions. And again, you know, that's what you're trying to test the arm's length nature of. And if you're testing against other companies that also have uh, transactions, then, yeah, it's a bit of a, a weird comparison. So, and obviously you don't necessarily know whether these comparable companies actually do meet the arm's length nature. So typically, you know, you're not allowed to take these type of companies in. Same goes for, you know, selected comparable companies that should not have any related party transactions of more than 20%. So even if you fall below the 50% threshold on, on ownership, if you have, as an entity happens to have, is 20% or more of your total transactions is related party transactions, then, you know, you're also not allowed to take that one. And, and a final one, which is quite interesting one, which comes back to the point you made, Matt, earlier about you know, it being reliable, is that actually in Thailand, they also want to look at if there is an auditor opinion, statutory auditor's opinion on the comparable companies that should be reviewed you know, in order to ensure that the financial data 
that you want to test is actually reliable um, before you're allowed to, to use the comparable for, uh, for testing the arm's length nature. It probably tells you a little bit of the, the history of financial accounting, uh, that they want to ensure that a statutory auditor has reviewed that particular company that you want to use as comparable so that indeed the financial data is reliable. Hmm. It, it doesn't occur to me, I, I wouldn't rank off the bat with everything we've discussed so far, also what we've got coming up, I wouldn't rank Thailand as necessarily the most stringent, certainly not the most peculiar of jurisdictions that we've ever covered, and that's still painting with a broad brush, but I do find it interesting that they don't have this written regulation, but these preferences when it comes to comparables are so specific. And it doesn't just fall into the, you know, the category of, of we just want locals. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, apparently, you know, it's, it's more the common mm -hmm. practice that you need to be aware mm -hmm. of. And that's, again, you know, you need to, in order for a company to, to be compliant, you need to look at the local rules and regulations, but also at, you know, common practice that's being applied in countries in order to ensure that, the documentation you do prepare meets not only all the requirements, but also the expectations of authorities. And especially where there is a lack of regulation, um, then you just need to also be, you know, be aware of what the common practice is and what yes. authorities expect to see. Now, in speaking of one of the more peculiar and official rules, in Thailand transfer pricing, both the single year and three year analysis are requested. That's very uncommon. Why would they want to see both? Well, it's probably, yeah, I mean, they, they want to see the, the one year, you know, result of the most recent year just to understand, okay, you know, is that the most accurate, most recent financial data you have tested with your comparables? But they also want to see the, the overall trend um, so that's why they also want to look at the three-year data to, uh, you know, to see, hey, you know, is that one-year analysis and also uh, in line with the, more of a trend over the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit uncommon, but um, I mean, it's typically, you know, if you do economic analysis for most countries, you would look at, at the three previous years anyway. So you then can just look at the three years and then also take the one year separate. So what you shouldn't do is just provide the average of the three years on your economic analysis and, and then only provide you know, the range on the base of that three-year average. You should show each and every of the three years, show the single year. And that also means you are also showing them the one year that they also want. We spoke a little bit about the range of industries in, in the overall Thai economy, but are there any industries specifically or situations that end up being targeted by the TRD or that they end up focusing on, especially in 2020? Um, well, I don't think there, you know, there's a specific or announced focus on particular jurisdictions or, or industries. I mean, it's more what we already discussed before. If they feel that a transaction is influenced by a desire to you know, shift profits to another country and there is no commercial rationale for it, 
then obviously you know there is a higher risk of scrutiny and they there is a specific by a specific focus on that you know but but yeah in general it's it's you know they they, they look at cost allocations uh, you know if companies are loss making um, especially now in manufacturing industries uh, you typically don't expect companies that are contract manufacturers etc to actually incur losses so the tie would expect to see a specific level of profits being realized by these companies. And it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen during COVID now, where mm. contractually these type of contract manufacturers are not incurring any risk. So on the basis of the agreements, you would say, well, you know, no matter how difficult and challenging the environment is for the entrepreneurial counterparty of that contract manufacturer, the contract manufacturer should make a certain, albeit small, but a margin on the cost that it is incurring. And it's going to be interesting to see how how companies are going to um, deal with that, knowing that you know in, in many industries there are going to be uh, yeah significant losses during 2020, and then how they allocate that also between the entrepreneurial entities and whether they want to also maybe allocate a small portion of it to the manufacturing. Um, entities, notwithstanding that contractually, you might not expect that. And one final time interrupting for our third and last CPE code word, and that code word is BOT, B-H-A-T, BOT, as in the Thai currency. Back to our conversation. Now, I I think something we, we don't talk about enough, especially with regard to jurisdictions that tend not to have a reputation with our audience, jurisdictions that might seem only comparatively more benign than, say, a Canada or an Australia or a historically very aggressive tax jurisdiction. But what ways do even the transfer pricing rules, as in you know certain cases that we've described so far as hands-off as they are in Thailand, how did their specific rules necessitate the need for technology to address making sure that your documentation is hyper-localized to a jurisdiction like Thailand? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a very interesting uh, point you raised, Matt, because indeed, you know, many companies have traditionally taken approach by, okay, you know, we know in certain countries, you know, authorities are, are very uh, challenging when it comes to transport. So we, we focus our attention, time, and budget on these countries, you know, of type of a risk approach, we prepare documentation for that. And, you know, the other countries, we will just see what, what actually is happening. And if there is a challenge then or a question, you know, we will deal with it when we get there. But that approach, um, obviously, you know, certainly now with also COVID, but also already, you know, since 2015, 16, with you know, the whole uh, OECD initiative on profit shifting is obviously, you know, um, more risky nowadays because also those countries that traditionally might have not been viewed as very challenging right now are, you know, have implemented local requirements when it comes to TP documentation. And if you don't meet these requirements, then obviously that's a red flag not only for a transpricing audit but also for an adjustment. So for companies, there is a, you know, a, an, an increased 
need, I would say, to also have the documentation available and prepare on an annual basis for these countries that they traditionally might have viewed as mm -hmm. less risky. And then obviously having a tool like the Fiona cross-border solutions tool that allows that for all the countries in which you operate, no matter whether it's a high-risk or a low-risk country, you know, to have TP documentation that meets all the local rules and regulations on the one hand, but still ensures overall consistency through that centralized approach that we apply is, you know, of tremendous value because it ensures that the company meets the TP documentation requirements in all the countries in which it operates because more and more countries will nowadays start looking at it and will require companies to provide the information. And another interesting point here is that there are more and more countries that require companies when they file their tax return to tick the box to say, do you have your documentation ready and available? If you don't tick the box, that obviously is already a red flag. But if you do tick the box, then authorities do indeed expect you to have it. And they are now, you know, there is a, you know, a trend that they will give you less time to then hand it over with the argument, well, you already confirmed you have it ready and available, so you can just hand it over. So this concept of oh, allowing 60 days or even 90 days following a, a request to hand it over, allowing companies to take that approach, you know, we don't prepare it annually, that no longer is sustainable because you don't simply don't have the time anymore to actually do it. If I can actually make one point about Fiona as compared to the rest of the market, and you don't need to be working at cross-border to make this point, we build those features in Fiona based on the preferences, not just the requirements. And that's something you've got to take into consideration with your options on the market if anybody's listening to this and you know we're, we're not the only transfer pricing software in this space, but we are the only one with a sense of so many tools and so many functions, but also broad reaching tools and easy to use tools to the point where you can even, there's even a slider at one point of the software where you can just manually set like any function of Photoshop or I've seen those, even those dials on Instagram of how aggressive do you want to be on your transfer pricing and you can set it for more or less on a, on a scroll. There's also endless amounts of text spaces to fill in information and tell your complete transfer pricing story based on, as we discussed, not just the written rules, which as you can tell from Thailand, aren't as many as there are preferences. And those are in the software as well. So I just want to- Yeah, you know, if, if I just may, may add to that one thing, sure. which I think yeah. is, is an amazing feature of Fiona as well, is, you know, you have access, you know, as a tax director or, Transpricing director or finance director to the tool 24-7. And you have access to not only your documentation, but also to the rules and regulations and preferences in all the countries in which you operate, you know, all the key characteristics of what you need to do in that country to be compliant. So, you know, it, uh, the whole Fiona tool, it helps tax directors, transpricing directors to increase their control over that compliance uh, function within their organization. You know, no longer you need to go like, oh, what are the requirements that country? You need to look it up, I need to ask it. You know, you can go into the platform 
and within you know a couple of seconds you know exactly what the rules are and you have access to all your documentation it really helps and it's it's an amazing tool in that sense as well to it really helps to be in control of that transfer pricing documentation compliance requirement uh, on an ongoing basis Indeed. And just to underscore the educational point here, aside from a product that we're obviously very proud of, it's that even jurisdictions like Thailand are necessitating the need for technology, the need for a product, even just like the one we're talking about. This is moving in one direction. This is an arms race. And that's that's the real educational point to to really absorb here. Note to multinational companies everywhere, if you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, big four. We've got the answer. Cross-border solutions, AI-powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with cross-border solutions, AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of cross-border solutions transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp that's xbs.ai slash tp i think that brings us to our rapid fire round hosker thank you so much for being on the show with us yet again uh, i think you're well familiar with this process we ask a, a few personal questions get to know you a little bit better and always question one is are you ready i'm very much ready what is your favorite Thai meal? Uh, green curry. No green matter whether curry. it's chicken or meat or vegetarian, green curry. There is a amazing Thai restaurant right near me in Peekskill, New York. So I'm going to have to... Next time you go, that. green curry. Green curry. On it. Life skill you've learned from the COVID-19 experience. Um, well, you know, appreciate small things. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, I think we just uh, quickly forget about these, but uh, very important. For me, for me, the um, the autumn, the leaves changing, all that being outside, that hit harder this year. Yeah. Way harder. Just, you know, appreciating time with your family. Yeah. Um, uh, more and uh, these, all these little things. Absolutely. What is an underrated transfer pricing skill? A lot of people think about transfer pricing, it's about numbers and you know, economic analysis, benchmarking, etc. But, you know, don't forget about, you know, also you know, interpretation, legal interpretation of, you know, documents, of uh, rules and regulation. You know, they are more important as well, especially now with countries, you know, having specific local rules and regulations. You also need to understand, you know, and the interpretations of the rules and regulations. It's not just the guidelines from the OCD and, and 
you know, that just you know, governs the whole transfer pricing world. You know, you need to be able to um, understand also rules and regulations, which I think is becoming more and more important within transfer pricing. What's one piece of advice you find yourself giving to clients over and over again? Um, well, it's it's really basically is that the the commercial rationale, you know, should be always the you know, the starting point, the basis of a transaction, and also you know how you price a transaction. You know, that's that's because ultimately that's what it is all about. And when it's safe to travel again, where's the first place you'd like to go? Um, well, there are many places I would say. Yeah. Um, well, you know, a little bit of background, you know, we have a family with two kids, two sons that are 13 and 15. So before we know it, they get to an age, they no longer want to go with us on holiday. Yeah, that's, that happens. And I desperately want to take them to go and climb Kilimanjaro Mountain in Tanzania. Wow. And then go to the Serengeti. So I'm hoping in the next, let's say, two, three years, we're allowed to to do that <laughs> and hopefully then there is also still snow on the top of mount kilimanjaro hopefully Oof. through all the climates climate changes uh, you never know yes thank you so much hosker for being with us on today's show and thank you to everyone at home for tuning in if you haven't already please subscribe to this podcast on apple podcasts and spotify while you're there don't forget to check out our transfer pricing in the news podcast that's the fiona show hot off the press all of your global headlines and transfer pricing and regulation changes in 10 minutes or less. I'm Matthew DeMello, and they're crazy enough to let me host, edit, and engineer this podcast. Christy Clements is our associate producer. Mary Lynn Mitchum-Strom is our executive producer. Until next time, stay safe, wear a mask, and we'll catch everyone next week. Bye.